So today is the 22nd of September, 2020. And it's another day on which we gather to practice together and to develop the heart and raise the chitta up through our practice. As we raise the heart, we move towards the state that the Buddha embodied and the Arahants as well. Such a state is like that of a lotus touched with droplets of water. Although its petals might have droplets of water on them, they do not enter the lotus, but slide off. And similarly, though an enlightened being might experience sense impressions, sights, sounds, tastes, aroma, um, sense impressions of various kinds, these don't enter or affect the heart. There's no upadana or attachment towards the five khandas. And this is because at the basis of this enlightened heart, there is no ignorance or avijja. In the cycle of dependent origination, the Buddha taught that ignorance leads to craving, tanha, which leads to attachment, upadana, which eventually resolves into dukkha or suffering. But one who has wisdom or panya eliminates the causes for tanha or craving, which eliminates the causes for attachment or upadana, which in turn removes the causes of dukkha or suffering. The Buddha taught that all things come from a cause and this teaching was further expanded by the Buddha into an articulation of the cause of both suffering and suffering's end. The end of suffering is brought about by the practice of the path, namely sila, samadhi, and panya, that is ethics, concentration, and wisdom. And if we develop these qualities of the path to a suitable level, then they can counter and destroy the defilements of the mind or the kilesa. However, if the kilesa have more power, then they overwhelm the path. And so inside of each of us exists a constant battle between the path and the defilements. At first we begin our lives and our practice as Buduchon, worldlings, and the defilements of anger, greed, and delusion are rife throughout the heart. The mind is then in a state 
similar to that of an animal, even if the body is a human. And in such a being, anger, when encountering the heart, leaves a mark, much like a line carved in stone, a deep groove, and it lasts a long time. This is because such a person has a great deal of attachment and takes various experiences and elements of them of their being as a self. And so hatred, greed, and the other defilements manifest in strong and lasting incarnations. And such defilements can lead to great conflict, even to war. However, as practitioners, we have sila, morality. We restrain our bodies, speech, and mind. And we understand the danger and the drawbacks of the restless and distracted and unrestrained mind. While such a practitioner may still have defilement, they also have mindfulness or sati. And sati is of extreme importance. Sati, the ability to keep something in mind, sampajanya, its partner, clear awareness, allow one to know that at this moment, the heart is overcome with greed, or at this moment, the heart is overcome with anger or delusion. And with such mindfulness, one can then go on to contemplate, why am I angry? Why am I feeling greed? Why is delusion in my heart? I know that I will eventually die and I can take nothing with me. So what is the use in indulging in these emotions? And seeing everything as Dhamma in this way, it will fit, uh, the defilements will fade and pass. One with such wisdom contemplates continuously and sees all things in their lives as another cause towards the path and the practice. Longpur Cha compared such a practice to the locking of a tiger in a cage. The tiger stuck in the cave will pace back and forth for a period, but eventually will grow tired and bored and lie down, becoming docile. The defilements are the same. They are like the tiger. If we surround them with the cage of morality or sila, then although they might struggle and pace at first, they eventually become subdued. And this is the power of the practice and of mindfulness. 
over time, the heart that could formerly not resist temptation learns to resist reacting to its various impressions and defilements. It develops the quality of patient endurance. We begin to understand the pain and suffering caused by dosa or anger. When such a defilement is present in us strongly, it can cause us great suffering. Perhaps we're angry at someone to the point where we cannot even meet their eyes, but must turn away constantly from them. It chases us in this way, relentlessly. And in such a situation, it is essential that we develop metta or loving kindness as it serves as water to the fire of anger. This practice of metta is essential. It protects our hearts. It fulfills an important need and it helps develop all aspects of the practice. One developing metta will naturally hold sila. The metta development will assist their samadhi and their wisdom also will grow. We will learn to forgive more easily those who have wronged us. One with sila can be labeled a kalyanachon, a beautiful or beautiful human being. And for such a one, although they may still encounter impressions and moods of anger or other defilements, the impression, rather than leaving a deep cut in the stone of their mind, leaves a much, much shallower cut. And over time, practicing more and more, they begin to see clearly that those things that they felt were their selves and had attached to are in fact not theirs or them. And the mark made in their hearts grows shallower and shallower until it is barely visible. Practicing in this way may even bring one to the point of being an Aryachon, a noble being, because the insight into no self or not self has come to fruition. Such a one sees all things as void and empty of self. And the heart experiencing this state of voidness grows empty and bright. The chitta, the mind, grows released. And there is no attachment. One encountering such a state encounters it as miraculous, experiences it as truly amazing and unprecedented in their lives. And after encountering it, there's no doubt any longer in the truth of the Buddha's enlightenment or our ability to also attain to awakening. 
and one also understands clearly the path towards that awakening. Perhaps such a one has practiced many years and failed to attain any fruit of practice. But after encountering and experiencing this state, all skepticism will dissolve because one is seen clearly the goal and the path to the goal. They believe without doubt the truth of the state of an arahant, of the lack of defilement, of the reality of the Buddha and his enlightenment. And such a mind sees clearly through the nature of the body. To develop this insight will bring the heart to even higher levels of penetration, entire new realms of emptiness, to the point where the same qualities of the mind that had supported this insight become strengthened to an extent that one may label them bojanga or awakening factors. Mindfulness brought to the state and strength of bojanga or awakening factor allows one to contemplate or develop the enlightenment factor of dhamma vichaya with extreme precision and power. And one will see with such contemplation the nature of the body. Rapture arises. Effort comes naturally. And the equanimity, the enlightenment factor of equanimity that results from all of these qualities is a equanimity of extreme power and benefit because it is not a dry equanimity or a simple not caring. Rather, it is the stability of heart gained from a mind that has experienced clearly the true value of Dhamma and so has a refuge and a vantage point from which to look on all other phenomena. Such a heart sees clearly, is unmoved, and can say and can be said to possess the enlightenment factor of equanimity. It understands by itself the nature of reality, and one has to instruct it very little. So we come back to the practice every day as we're able to. Before we encounter these states, we hold what precepts we have the motivation and the ability to hold, whether that be five, eight, ten, or more. And if we have the motivation, yes, we may choose to take on small ascetic practices such as those contained in the eight and ten precepts, such as not dressing up, avoiding eating afternoon, and so on. Eventually, through this gradual practice, the citta will enter the stream of Dhamma. And this also 
means that it is stepping over the stream of the world. Rapture and pleasure gather and may last for an entire month as it encounters this level of insight. It begins to see more and more clearly to be able to penetrate and separate the body into various elements. And the Dhamma, the quality of Sati, and that of Samadhi give rise to that of wisdom. All these things come together in the practice. And when they have developed, we do no longer have to control or push ourselves in the practice of Dhamma. It is as if we are eating great tasting food of a superb flavor and we just want to continue to eat it, to partake of it. It's the same with rapture and pleasure. Because it is a sublime flavor, it is all we want and we don't have to push ourselves to practice in a way that brings it forth. As we develop it, wisdom grows, the path gathers, and sila, samadhi, and panya, wisdom, morality, concentration come together to develop into an insight that breaks through conventional truth and births transcendent truth. Then the kilesa may come and go, but they only stay for a brief period, like color being washed from moving water. We begin to see the body simply as it is, a bag of feces, of maggots, faded eventually to decay and dissolve. So please do what good you're able, develop the path, and may all of you present eventually see the Dhamma.